Welcome to Crisis to Comeback, your Western Colorado climate action podcast. Each episode addresses climate change in Western Colorado with a focus on Delta County. This season of Crisis to Comeback, you'll hear interviews and conversations from local voices in our community, government, renowned scientists, and experts in our Western climate. This podcast was made possible in part by the West Elk Community Fund and Citizens for a Healthy Community. I'm your host, Corey Stanton, and in this episode of Crisis to Come Back, I'll be talking with Christy Eschwanden, who is the Executive Director of the Grand Mesa Nordic Council. Christy has been involved with this organization since 2004. She is a journalist and has served on several local nonprofit boards over the last 20 years. Here is Christy describing this very cool, pun intended, community-funded organization. The Grand Mesa Nordic Council is a community-based organization. So basically what we do is we support local cross-country skiing. We do all of the grooming. I like to say that we're not a resort, we're a community. We don't have obligatory fees. We basically run on donations and memberships. And so we're really supported by the community. And our goal is to make sure that everyone in our community has access to cross-country skiing, to the things that they need, both the trails that we prepare but also low-cost equipment and lessons and all of that kind of thing. And we put on a lot of social events and different things to really try and get people out into the outdoors. I think what you're doing is really cool. And so you've been involved with the organization for quite some time, but specifically in the last four years. How has the Grand Mesa changed over the last three or four years? And how is climate impacting the Grand Mesa? Yeah, well, you know, of course, we have seen the sudden Aspen decline has really had a big effect on the Mesa. That hasn't affected too many of our trails. We have really only one area, the Ward Ski area, that goes through Aspens, and the ones around there are actually doing pretty well. But that's one very visible change that I think we've seen. And then, of course, also the spruce beetle is killing a lot of trees, and that is something that we are seeing along our trails. And it's worrisome, you know, it makes things look different. The dead trees are never, never good. They're also a hazard, you know, they fall down and we've had to do a lot of work to remove fallen trees from the trail. Um, There's a lot of stuff going on to try and mitigate those beetles, but that's something that's definitely related to climate change. And then we haven't had too much trouble yet. And I hope that that will continue, you know, because of our, the altitude on the Mesa, that really gives us an advantage compared to many other ski areas. Um, Because it's so high, we still get pretty cool temperatures, but we know that this part of Colorado is warming. There's good data on that. And, you know, one of the concerns that we have is that our ski season could be shortened, particularly the early season. If it's not cold enough or we don't have that precipitation, you know, the start of the season can be delayed and that can end up delaying the season. But I would say the biggest impact we've probably been seeing for skiing is uh, an increase in dust storms. And these dust storms can just be devastating. And this is related to climate change because it's uh, hotter and drier um, in the deserts around here. And that creates a situation where the soils are very dusty. And so all sorts of activities and even wind can kick that up. And we saw this last year, we had an incredible snowpack. We had probably the best snow year that I've seen in the 20 years that I've been here. It was just phenomenal. And so we should have had, we could have had a skiing up until June or even beyond. But what ended up happening is we had a bad dust storm in early April that covered the snowpack and dust. And we got 
snow subsequent to that. But what ends up happening is that dust expedites the melting. It also creates a very uneven surface on the top of the snow. So it makes it not great for skiing. So it was really frustrating. We had still all of the snow around in late May and early June, but it just wasn't very nice for skiing because it was pockmarked, it was dirty. Um, This dirt and this dust makes it melt in a sort of uneven way. And so it's not only ugly, it's not very skiable. So that's really frustrating. And that, that is something that is, you know, related to climate change. I hadn't heard about that. As you were describing it, I could kind of envision like snow and then this layer and then all this like weird stuff happening in between and then probably more snow because we did have a pretty epic snowpack in the 2022-2023 winter season. What is a typical season for you like in a good year, quote, good year? Yeah, I would say a good year we have. um, It's not unusual. I don't want to say that it's typical, but it's not at all unusual that we have enough snow to ski on by Halloween. That's always a a fun thing. Last year, in fact, we had a party, a Halloween party on our our trails for Halloween because we had enough snow for people to go out and about. And then our snow can last into June. I have skied as late as I believe July 1st or so. Now that ski (laughs) at that time of the year is not going to be a a phenomenal, you know, best ski of the season, but we can hold the snow for quite a while on the Mesa because of the high altitude. Um, That means that the temperatures are cooler and particularly, you know, in shaded areas that that snow can stay. Um, But it's fairly typical that we can be skiing at least till the end of April and very often into May where it's, it's actually good crust skiing. What happens in the spring is there's a freeze thaw cycle. And so the top layer of the snow can become nice and firm. Um, And it's great for skiing because it's a firm surface. You can go, it's very fast and fun. You just have to be sure to get back to the trailhead before it gets too late in the day, because as it softens up, it can get really slushy and then it's a real slog to get back. (laughs) Yeah. The fast and that part sounds scary to me, but I imagine people really enjoy that part of it if they're not just like terrified of falling. (laughs) Yeah, no, it's some of the best skiing of the year. And, and, you know, it was so disappointing last year, we should have had this just epic crust season of spring skiing. And we didn't because of this dust, it really cut things off much earlier than it, it could have been. And do you think that came up from like the Delta area, the Dobies, or do you have any it, it was beyond that. It was not, it was not local. It was something that kind of came up from the Southwest. So it's, wow. it's a regional phenomenon. Your organization, do you have members or is it just like people can come up and they donate? What's the structure of your nonprofit? Our number one source of funds is donations and memberships. So we have boxes at the trailheads where people can make a, a daily donation or a suggested daily donation is $10, which is a great deal. Uh, Most places in Colorado to buy a trail pass is $25 and up. Some places it's even more than that. But this is not obligatory. You know, we want people to have a good time and want to give. But then we also have memberships. We are, you know, we're a community organization, basically, and we want people to feel a sense of belonging and we encourage them to join. Our membership fees are quite low, the lowest of anywhere around, really. Um, And so we encourage that. And then we really encourage people to give what they can. We keep our base membership fees very low, but we just hope that people who have the means and who like what we do will give us more. And they do. That's been a very successful model for us. 
you know, for us, it's really about helping people find a community, have a sense of belonging, and to be able to participate, you know, regardless of their socioeconomic background. What's the conversation like with members around climate change? We do hear from members that they're concerned about climate change. They, they want to do things. Um, we're doing a few things like we've really been trying last year to facilitate carpooling. We're going to be doing more of that this year, helping people share rides and things like that. I think people are concerned. You know, climate change is a really enormous global problem. It's not something that's going to be solved by one individual. We really need collective action. And so yeah, as an organization, we have to say, what can we do you know, what can we find to do our part? You know, of course, I think it's interesting to point out, though, that it is, you know, sort of by encouraging people to recreate locally, that is one thing that you can do. You know, if you live in our, our area and you come and ski on our trails, you're using a lot less fossil fuel. Yeah, you know, you're putting a lot less carbon into the atmosphere than if you get on a plane to go fly somewhere else or you, you know, drive thousands of miles to go somewhere else. So I think, you know, there is this aspect of recreating locally, which is important. Yeah, I like that. I think a lot of times the whole concept of the whole reality of climate change is overwhelming. And a lot of people feel, and I have felt like this too, where you feel helpless. You feel like, well, I can't possibly take that on. What I like is the tangible example you just gave of, well, two actually, carpooling and also the idea of not going too far. You know, even if it's the $10, you're putting that back into a local economy. And so I like to present when I can some tangible resources and ideas for especially people that might be listening to this podcast, they might go, oh, I'd love to go take my family up skiing and, you know, pay 40 bucks. So I just really appreciate the reality of the bigger problem, but also what can we do in these little like micro ways to, you know, individually make a small impact that could amount, hopefully will amount to a bigger push against the warming climate. Yeah, absolutely. How do you work with other local groups concerned about the management of public lands? Yeah, we do talk with other uh, non-motorized recreation groups. Uh, COPMOBA, the mountain biking group, is uh, probably the number one example there. Some of our trails are mountain bike trails in the summer, so we kind of work with them. And of course, we've been concerned about land use issues and and management and all of that. The GMUG forest uh, just put out a new forest plan. In fact, this just came out. And so while that was in, pro- this has been a years long process. And so we did sort of talk to some other groups, local groups, nonprofits, non-motorized recreation groups, kind of talking to one another about what do we think about this? What are the things that we need to be concerned about and kind of collaborating a little bit like that. But, you know, we're, we're sort of a unique entity in the winter, non-motorized. There aren't a lot of other uh, groups just like that right there. So on your trails, there's no snowmobiles or? No. Yeah. I think it's nice to keep it separate because I think there's conflict oh, like yeah. on either side. <laughs> They're like, get off yeah. our trail. Yeah. And you're like, get off our trail. So that's good to know. Where could people find more information about the Grand Mesa Nordic Council and get signed up for one of these upcoming trail rides? Or is that what you call them? Trail rides or? 
just maybe trail days. I will mention that we're also, we started a program last year, of uh, free ski clinics. We're going to be doing that again. Um, those will be up on our website. We are aiming to have our schedule for the year and things updated by early to mid-October. So people can go. The, the very best way to find out about us and to get more information is Grand Mesa Nordic Council's website, which is gmnc.org. You can go there and find just about anything that you're looking to find about our organization including contact information for me and a contact form for submitting questions and whatnot. And I'll go ahead and plug your Instagram because that's also a great resource. It's at Grand Mesa Nordic Council. Thank you for taking the time to talk with me and to educate our listeners more about what your offerings are. And I hope we have another great snowpack. That would be great. Yeah. Fingers crossed. We're doing our snow dances. (laughs) Yeah. That was Christy Eschwanden, Executive Director of the Grand Mason Nordic Council. You've been listening to Crisis to Come Back, your Western Colorado climate action podcast, produced and hosted by me, Corey Stanton, and occasionally co-hosted by Alan Harvey. Crisis to Come Back is a local and regional weekly short-form podcast that explores the impacts of climate change and the state of warming in Delta County and Western Colorado, and local climate actions taken by individual citizens, businesses, and government. Get informed, inspired, and empowered by listening to these short episodes, and become a part of the solution to addressing our rapidly changing local climate. This podcast was made possible in part by the West Elk Community Fund and Citizens for a Healthy Community. If you have questions, comments, or want to learn more about this podcast, please reach out to us by emailing crisis to come back at chc the number four you.org. Thank you for listening.